Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art, where we bring you a new story about your world in every episode. Today's guest is Marilyn Soleil, a businesswoman, inventor, and global entrepreneur who broke glass ceilings in the media and tech world. But Marilyn had to fight discrimination along the way, once folks would learn that she was transgender. We'll talk about her tough journey and our special hometown Texas connection. Thank you for following the Jesse Garcia Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. The LGBTQ community has come a long way in the last two decades, thanks to Supreme Court rulings, congressional actions, and presidential orders. But the community still faces a steep hill to climb when it comes to acceptance. Being visible and occupying spaces that were not available to us in the past definitely helps our cause. A growing number of Americans now say they know someone who's transgender, according to a Pew Research study released last year. 42% of Americans polled say they personally knew a transgender individual. But sadly, only 41% believe that a person's gender can be different from the sex they were assigned at birth. A lot of judgment, fear of the unknown, and just plain ignorance places undue burdens on marginalized communities like trans folks who have to work twice as hard to access education, health services, employment, and a place to live. My guest today can affirm that reality. Marilyn Soule knew at a very young age who she was. It just took the world a little while to catch up to her reality. Rather than let transphobic attitudes decide her fate, she took control of her own narrative and chartered a course to a most extraordinary life that took her from a small Texas border town to places like Washington, D.C., New York City, and Spain, all while living her most authentic life. I want to welcome to the show a very good friend of mine that I just barely met this month that I feel like we should have met a long time ago, Marilyn Soule. She is an amazing woman who I was at an event with recently. We're getting awarded from the Trans Latinx DMV Community Honors 2021 ceremony. And they started announcing the award winners and they started talking about our backgrounds. And both of us were like, what? You're from Brownsville, Texas too? Oh my God. And then we end up from the same high school, similar classes, like, oh my God, we should have been friends. Homer Hannah High School, honey. Yeah, Homer (laughs) Hannah High School, Uh, the uh, Golden Eagles. I am so sorry we didn't get to meet 30 years ago, but now we get to meet each other here in D.C. And I brought you on the show because you're doing a lot of great things in the DMV. Welcome I to want to show. thank you for that. I want to thank you for inviting me to your show. We just met, but it felt like we've been knowing each other forever. Like we have the same type of culture. We grew up within the same, I think, similar, not same, but circumstances. So I felt so happy to say, yes, I want to yes. be in the show. I want to talk about my story. I want to tell others about me and you. You, yes. you, have, a, you have a good story to too. Like she's been overwhelmed by me because not only did I invite her on the podcast, I invited her to my home. We had a tamalada together. I saw yes. her show up 
in her beautiful <laughs> dress and hair made up, and she got her hands in the masa. Yes, and, and I gained four pounds because of you. <laughs> <laughs> we had such a good time, and she came in with her friend Lydia, and they were going to be like, okay, we're only going to stay for a little while because we've got other, some party. They stayed the whole time. Yes, I was just absolutely. Like, you're just Lydia like, also loved it. Lydia also loved it. She was like, you know, she's from Spain, but she loved the tamales, and she kept saying, oh, my God, this is so cool. So, yeah, we had a really good time. Like, we didn't want to leave, but we had to, you know, yeah, I'm always you're running. busy. But mm -hmm. I wanted to bring you on the show, because not only did your story that when you got that award that night, they showed a lot that you do. But yeah. one other thing that touched me is the fact that you're from Brownsville, Texas. Yes. And when you and I were growing up in the 80s, mm -hmm. in that time period, it was mm -hmm. hard being LGBTQ and growing up in the hard. valley. And, uh, and mm -hmm. so tell me about yourself. Uh, were you born in Brownsville, Texas? Or did you? End yes, I was born in Brownsville, Texas. And um, I grew up in, in Brownsville and Matamoros. You know, that side of Mexico. My, my mother is from that side of Mexico, which is, if you, all, if you don't know, Brownsville is the border with Matamoros, Mexico. So you could literally be in Mexico in 10 minutes. Yeah. So I grew up there and I went to school. I'm sorry. I went to school uh, some years in Mexico, some years in Texas because um, my parents got divorced. My mother went back to Mexico. So I had to go to school for a few years in Mexico. Then we came back. And I started school again in Texas until I graduated from Hannah High School. But um, class of 90. Class of 1992. Yeah, I was class of 89. So when I was a senior, you were a freshman. Yes, <laughs> imagine that. Yeah. Well, I, was, I wasn't that fresh, but yeah, I was a yeah. freshman. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, growing up in that, in the Valley was um, kind of, uh, uh, I don't want to say, bad because he has his really good things but it is you know it is a, um a region where it's very mexican culturized which is machismo. machismo and and religious and all of these things so me not being ever in the closet because yeah. i was never i was always you know flamboyant and i was always like you know the girl that would wear the black nails and say I was a rocker that I would love rock and you know you were authentic so, you were huh? authentic you you lived in yeah, authentic yeah absolutely yeah. so when people would ask me I would not deny it yeah but that became a problem for um obviously my family because you know they're my family's of Mexican background and you know people talk and what they're gonna say so as soon as I graduated high school I left like I literally like was waiting just to graduate from high school and leave Brownsville, but like I have family there still, and I still go back <laughs> sometimes. And I had a really nice childhood. I think my issue started when I started growing up, when I became a teenager and started like noticing that I was different, and I started noticing that I wanted to do different things, and I started hanging out with um, uh, my friends in in school, and they were like you know picking on me and you know all of this stuff, that's when I realized that like, I have to go, like small town, Pueblo Chico, you know? Yeah. Hell. <laughs> so. yeah, a, lot, a lot of us ended up leaving the, town, leaving the town because we just knew that we were either gonna have to conform mm -hmm. and marry someone of the opposite sex and exactly. lie, 
or mm-hmm. you're gonna be hunted down you know yes and really bullied killed. to death honey bullied to death yeah yes so absolutely it was called survival yeah it was called survival and so i left and i mainly did it because of i didn't want to have this burden on my family mm-hmm. you know what i mean i didn't want to have them suffer because of I knew who I was and I was not going to change that. That was not going to change. That's one thing that I always was sure of. I knew who I was and I was not willing to change. So that's why I had to leave. You understand? I was not willing to, like, like you just said, I was not willing to um, hide or, uh, you know, not being myself. So I had to leave. But Brownsville is, is, is a nice town. It has grown a lot. It's grown. <laughs> and it, I mean, hats off to them finally having an LGBTQ task force that the city. They do? And they now? Up and they celebrate wow, an actual Pride event. And this past summer, they just elected their Bravo. very first LGBTQ city council person. Well, they call them city commission. So, oh, wow. I, I, I we're sharing our story of how we grew up and how it was hard for LGBTQ teens, but just to let you know the audience that the city has evolved. The city has absolutely and I'm and, sure it has, yeah. But it's it's important that we share our journey so people know how things were and why mm-hmm. things happened the way they did. And by sharing our stories, what we're trying to do is for people to learn and now with the new generation. When they come to you and, and they or you notice that they're different, instead of bullying, instead of going against it, why don't you just sit down with them and let them explain to you how they feel? How, how is, yeah, because um, that's what I was lacking when I was a child. Someone to come to me and say, hey, it's okay. You know, it, it, people are different. People think differently, live differently. It is okay. Um, I think that's the reason why we share these stories because it has to be, the narrative has to change. Exactly. You know, absolutely. What I love about you is that you went to NYU and you (laughs) delved into media and video. (laughs) You know, you had a success story that you just got involved with all this wonderful art and media. Which is I moved my heart. To, let me tell you the story real quick. I moved to Washington, D.C. I graduated from high school. I, I came to Washington, D.C. I stayed here and then I started applying for college. And then I was accepted at NYU. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, shoot. So and New York, you know, it's expensive, blah, blah, blah. So I said, OK, I'm just going to go. So I went to I moved to New York. Yes. Um, I started attending NYU. Um, I'm going to say I did good. I, 3.5 GPA. All right, <laughs> And so I, as soon as I finished school, I started working for a really nice company that was called Brainchild Films, mm-hmm. which was an independent company. And my job there was video editing and assistant producer of the, the producer and director, right? And when I started working there, they were working on a documentary about transgender people. So they were filming five different trans girls from New York City and, you know, portraying their life, just showing their life. Like, and so I got involved with them. And after that, um, 
Actually, Laverne Cox was working in, in that production. Laverne Cox. You know her? Yes. She was working in that production before she got famous, no? So, and then after that, we started working on many other documentaries and music videos. So I started meeting all these people. And then I met Lydia, you know, my business partner now. Yes. And so we met there. And when the company, the brainchild film company started like having trouble because then we started seeing Netflix. Netflix came yes. into the picture and Prime Video. And so it became even harder for independent filmmakers to make it, basically. Yes. So um, after we decided, like, what are we going to do now? Like, Brainchild is, like, not working out anymore. So since I come from, um, you know, show bar background, because when I was in D.C., and I just moved from Texas. I had to work like most of the trans girls back in the day used had to do it, like either bartending yes. or performing, performing, you know, showgirls. So I told Lydia, you know, since I come from that background, why don't we try what try opening a bar? <laughs> and so we were in New York City then. And we opened the first trans-owned bar in Astoria, Queens. It got and let me tell you, the, it was a success, honey. <laughs> It yeah. came out in the New Yorker. I was so, when I was doing my research on you, I was like, my God, look at her making headlines. I loved it. I was Absolutely. Well, also, you can also find it on the New York Times. The New York wow. Times came in and, and um, interviewed us. Um, New York One, which is the local TV news. Yes. So we, we made some noise being the first trans girls to own a bar in New York City, which most of the bars in New York City um, gay bars are um, male owned yes you know gay male owned so um, I remember when we went to get our first award for for the bar nightlife award um, it was we were the only two girls sitting yes. on the table like the rest of the people were like gay men that own bars so when they gave us the award I felt so proud proud like I'm I was just proud. I'm like, this girl from Brownsville, Texas, way south of Mexican yes. heritage, sitting here in New York City, receiving an award among all these men. Breaking the ceiling. The glass so, ceiling. Yeah, the, that's when I said, you know what? I, I think I've been doing a good job so far. <laughs> <laughs> Believing in myself. Yeah, you had an amazing journey with work in not only the United States, but Europe. You went abroad mm -hmm. and you yeah. did it as your authentic self, never hiding yeah. who you were. No, well, no. you were tra trailblazing as an entrepreneur and an inventor because you invented stuff. Yes. What obstacles did you face in the media and tech business? Okay. Uh, the obstacle that I would say I constantly kept um, finding was mm, trying to change, like I just mentioned before, the narrative of trans women it was harder for me i had to keep demonstrating twice as hard that trans women we could be educated we could be professionals uh, we had to actually fight uh, twice as hard to just earn a place in a world that is also ruled by men which is a business yes. world yes. so that's the part that i always found like difficult because it is already difficult being a woman yeah. trying to enter a man's business world uh, imagine being a trans woman exactly so i had to actually earn everything that i have accomplished like working 
twice as hard. And that's an obstacle that I kept finding because people would assume automatically when they dis- discover, let's, let's call it like that, when they discover yeah. that you're actually a trans woman, they go back to the typical negative stereotype that the media itself has, um, has um, already um, put in our minds. Like you're either a prostitute or you're either a drug addict or you have no education or, you know. So I had to prove that that's not the case. That's not always the truth. There are trans women out there. There are doctors, lawyers, you know, teachers, accountants that I know of. So um, we need to change that as well. In, in media so it was my job to go there and prove them wrong and you invented that's why i started working with them yeah. <laughs> can you tell us about what you invented you invented it yes actually uh, so we had the bar and then in while we have in the bar me and lydia were thinking the next thing to do so yeah. me and her we started like thinking what what to do next what should we do so um one time she traveled to see her family in spain and she rented an airbnb and she couldn't get inside because she had to wait for the person that rented it out to come and give her the key so she says why don't you have a key lock box like in the united states where you yeah. can just leave your key in there so they said what is that yeah. so they didn't know that, that existed in the united states in spain yeah. i'm sorry so when she came back, she said to me, guess what? This was happening. And we're like, so they don't know like key lock boxes existed. And say, yeah, but the problem is that with the key lock box, they still have to come and change the pin. So yeah. we started thinking about how can we make that more efficient? Exactly. And so we created a Bluetooth Wi-Fi enabled lock box wow. that you could actually open with an app. So what would you have to do for Airbnb people is like, you rent their Airbnb, you send them a link to download your app. When they get there, they turn on the box, it connects to your app and you open it. So you don't have to be present. So we started looking for investors to develop the idea and we found investors in Barcelona. They were so happy to give us um, some money and invest it in our project. And so one of the, of the requirements was that we had to travel there and live there and develop it there and i said okay i gotta go <laughs> how did that's a, such an amazing story how did you like living abroad oh it was amazing it's um a whole well of course it's a new world it's like it's it's, it's um I'm, i found out that living abroad it's like reliving like like you born again <laughs> like experience experience things oh like brand new absolute, like brand new yeah. to start with nobody knew my previous name nobody knew my my past so i went there and started just being uh, you know quote unquote normal yeah until we got to the part where like you know they had to find out who you are because investors they have to like do their research Good and research. stuff yeah. And that's when I started encountering again the issues that I mentioned before. Like, yeah, oh, you know, but is she gonna be responsible? Is she gonna be reliable? Is she, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I but um, that they didn't take you serious when you had already opened up businesses. Exactly. Like that's my point. And have a college degree point. that people would 
would I mean, in a school that everybody's trying to get into with a three exactly. they don't know that side of you. Exactly. It's it's the minute that they find out that you're a trans woman, everything changes, you know. And it's sad, but it's true. Like even like you said, even when you have presented them with a great resume and with great experiences, so they will be judging, and that's one of the things that uh, I encountered the most prejudice. And I I don't know how to, how do we we're gonna end that, but we have to change that. Yeah. One thing I, I love your success story and I'm glad you're sharing it because it hopefully inspires some some folks that are listening to the podcast. But I want the listeners to know that you also paid your dues. I mean, when Absolutely. you got to DC, you actually worked in the nonprofit health sector. I mean, you provided bilingual health information via hotlines. At, was uh-huh. it Whitman Walker Clinic? Yes, it was Whitman Walker Clinic and they created something called... Uh, the AIDS hotline. Yes. And they also, they also did it in Spanish. La Linea Telefonica del Sida. So they hired me. Mm-hmm. Well, at the beginning, it was volunteer work. Yes. We didn't get paid. Because you know how this organization works. So at the beginning, yeah. tryouts, we did it voluntarily. And it was me. And uh, I'm sure you know Ruby Corrado. Yes. Um, And some other two people that are not in the city anymore, but like it was four of us who started this um, hotline. And we used to work from six in the morning because it was supposed to be a 24 hour hotline, but it ended up only being a 12 hour hotline. So we used to work from six to six. And then I did some work for, uh, or with, I should say, um, Clinica del Pueblo. Yes. So I did a lot of this volunteer work. I started the first um, trans group, you know, support for trans um, girls, Latinas in DC. And I called it Mariposas, which is butterflies. Butterflies. And then once I left with my walker, I think someone else uh, took over it. I don't remember who it was, but eventually... um, Gabi Garcia, which is also a trans activist in this in the city, she ended up having also the, the Mariposas group. So yeah, I did a lot of volunteer work and I didn't mind. I mean, I knew it was needed. I knew that there's a lot of spaces that need um, to be open up for trans girls and Latinas mostly. Because um, I don't know, well, you, you've been in DC for a long time too. And at the beginning, the Latino community was small also. Very small. Yes. Yeah, very small. We're not and even, they, um, currently we're only like 13% of the population. Well, imagine that. Imagine before. Yeah. So, and especially trans girls, trans Latina girls. Yes. We weren't, we weren't getting any help at all. Like we were like immigrants, yeah. you know, Salvadorian trans girls and Hondurans and girls that probably didn't have their documentation, you know, on, on point. So it was always an issue with trans Latinas. So we started creating these groups and I was doing it voluntarily until they offered me a job with my walker as a health educator. And so I trained uh, certified and I work as a health educator for two years for women walker clinic. That was great work. And they were paying me then. (laughs) Paying you then and all this volunteer and working with the public kind of prepared you for your later roles in life and business because you have to be that mover and shaker and be able to relate to people in a certain way, in a certain level. And every little thing that we do helps us 
in the future. Absolutely. I learned by doing all this volunteer work and 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 and, and job with the, with my worker. I learned that you have to be resilient. You have to to be tough. You have to have tough skin. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you cannot let like I I understand it's it's hurtful sometimes with how people might react to a trans woman or a gay man or whatever it is, but we learn how to be resilient. We learn how to be strong. And I think all this prepared me for the business world. Because remember, I was working with the LGBT community all this time, doing volunteer work and work. But then when I moved to New York and started all these businesses, it was not the LGBTQ community anymore. So it was like the heteronormative world where I actually had to go out and try to blend in, you know? And you had all this stigma like lingering around. So it was double, but I was prepared. Thanks to all these things that I did, I learned how to be strong, resilient, and I know how to, you know, buy back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. One thing that we need to bring up is that you're an official title holder. Yes. Back in 2001, you entered a contest that would thrust you into the spotlight, Miss Universal Latina USA, Miss Universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Latina USA. After you won that title, how did it change your life? Okay, the Miss Universal Latina USA changed my life drastically. Let me tell you why. Because uh, they taught me how to be um, not like the Miss Universal Latina USA pageant is not only about the outside beauty. They're they're uh, low. They're um, that logo, I was going to say. Um, their motto is beauty with a purpose, yes. which means you have to do something for the community. Like you're not just going there and winning because you're pretty or because you have a talent or because you dance or sing or act. Like you have to have the commitment for a whole year to do something for the community, whether it's um, a workshop, um, a course or a talk, a speech, um fundraiser whatever it is so it taught me how to be disciplined it taught me how to be uh, always well dressed <laughs> because you're representing a title so it taught me how to how to give back you understand you understand it? mulusa has always been given back to the community we call it mulusa by the way mulusa yeah mulusa means universal latina usa mulusa has always been given back to the community the queen, the reigning queen would have to go out and do a fundraiser for like um, to get toys for kids that have no toys in Christmas. They would have Christmas dinners and go out and give to the homeless. Uh, they would have workshops in which teach you how to build a resume for the girls who don't know how to build a resume. They will have ESL classes for the girls who are not very well spoken in English. So yeah. it, it taught me a lot. I think I think that's why one of the reasons that I, I stick around, like I yeah. I love Mulusa. You now, Mulusa. you now sit on the board of this important pageant, and it's coming yes, up absolutely. soon. And yeah. so, what what made you still stay involved with this board because of the? Well, part of the part of the reason I stayed is uh, some of the things I already mentioned, but also um, we been giving back to the community as as a. As an organization, Miss, Miss Universal Latina USA. And one of the things that made me stay is because now I want to keep doing that, but I want to be able to 
um, empower women like me, trans women like me. And that's why we created the Rainbow Visibility Platform with Mulusa. Yes. Because now what we want to do is, like I just said, we don't want to just help the LGBTQ plus community or the trans Latina girls to pay their rent or to get their hormones. No, we want to teach them how to survive. We want to teach them skills. We want to teach them how to um, go to a job interview. You know, we want to go further than just giving them money or giving them help and then just go their way. No, like this time we want to empower. This time we want to upraise, mentor. I mean, how many girls out there just like me could become also entrepreneurs? Like instead of you doing makeup, why don't you create your own makeup line? Your own salon. Exactly. Why don't you open your own business? What a beautiful mission and purpose. I'm so happy that the pageant has evolved to this. To this. And we used to finance, well, the pageant used to finance all of this uh, through the revenues they made uh, from the pageant, but out of pocket. So what we're trying to do now is after 20 years of doing that, we're, we're like, you know what, maybe it's time to start reaching out to the organizations that actually give funds and give grants so we can finance all these things that we have in mind. We want to create um, the, we already have something called, uh, with one of the formers, uh, called Trans Goofy Games, which is the, the trans um, Olympiadas, you know what I mean? <laughs> the Olympic for trans girls. Yeah. So we want to continue doing that, but now we want to do it nationally. We want to have a team from every state and come and compete, I don't know, summertime Olympics for trans girls. So is, we want to do all these things. Idea. Yes, and we want to do all these things. We want to continue, obviously, with the beauty pageant, which takes place every October. But then all through the year, we have the preliminaries, which in February 20th, you're invited to come to Miss DC Universal Latina, which is going to take place February 20th. And yes, that's why I stayed, because I want to push this to being more than just a beauty pageant, because it's not just, it's never been only a beauty pageant. It's it's been about giving back. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's listening and they want to participate in the pageant, what are some of the hints? <laughs> some of the hints is, yeah, be ready to work if you win. Be ready to work. Okay. That's <laughs> be ready to work. Be ready to commit to, uh, there's actually in the contract, if you're a winner, you are committing yourself to uh, raise up to $5,000 to give back to uh, an organization. This last year we gave, I think we gave Alexa 1500, her organization, yes. Translatings X DMB. Yep. And then we gave to also St. Jude's Hospital awesome. for cancer. So we we gave a total of 5,000. So one of the, the requirements for the girls who want to compete is be committed, be ready to go out there, be visible, talk about us, talk about the community and find a way to help others. Because it's not, you're not going to come here and be just pretty on stage. No. <laughs> There's more to it, honey. So be ready for it. <laughs> come with a purpose and six inch heels. <laughs> <laughs> Ten inch heels if possible. <laughs> yes, we prepare. One thing before we leave. What's the best thing a cisgendered person can do to be an impactful ally to a trans person? A cis person should always be respectful. You don't have to accept 
listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not asking you to accept me. I'm asking you to respect me if you don't want to accept me. Because I think this person, as long as they respect you and they, they treat you just like any other person, things are going to start changing. And I'm going to tell you why real quick. Because just like if I come to you and tell you that I want to be referred to as a she or her, independently of what you think I am and you respect that, then we're started on a good term. Yes. And from there, it's all respect. You understand? It's not because uh, people always say, no, they need to accept us. No, because there are things that we in the LGBTQ plus community do not accept from others. You understand? But we respect that. Yeah. So I'm asking for the same thing back. Just respect what, what I'm asking you to do for me. That's all. So that's one of the things. My brother, for example, you know, my brother is of a Mexican background and it was really hard for him um, at the beginning to, you know, use the right pronouns mm -hmm. until I said, okay, so let's flip this script and then I'm <laughs> going to do like as you do me and you'll see. And so then he learned that, yeah, it's true. If, if I'm blonde, call me blondie. If I'm a woman, call me a woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> So respect from the cis community. That's very important. And for those allies that are already falling in love with you. Oh. To all my fans. To all your fans. How can they learn more about you and donate to your causes? Okay. Well, you can find me on all social media through my name, Marilyn Sule, which you can spell it for them later, I guess. <laughs> M-A-R-I-L-Y-N-S-U-L-A-Y. And you can also visit um, www.mulusa.org. And you can find all about the Rainbow Visibility platform. You can write us there. You can donate, sponsor us for the games or whatever else that we're doing. Just follow me. You're going to have fun. I'm, I'm a fun girl. Ask them to follow me. <laughs> All right, party animal. I hope <laughs> I get to see you again, Marilyn, before the year. I'm going to get to see you because I'm going to come and get some tamales. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope I see you in Charo days one of these days when we go back to Brown. Absolutely. Are you going to Charo days? I'm trying my best to get there oh. in 2022. I want to thank you, Marilyn, for being on the show. I greatly appreciate your friendship. And thank you for all the work you've done for the community. Thank you. And I want to say to all your audience, Thank you for listening, sticking around, and keep listening. Jesse, love you. I will see you soon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>